When you hear the term team building, what comes to mind? An outdoor ropes course, a team breakfast or happy hour? Well, team building comes in all shapes and sizes. And whether you love the idea of spending time building relationships with your team, or you feel like it's an extraneous activity that's kind of silly, doing team building right can make a huge impact on your team's productivity and morale. A warm welcome to Christina P, Amber H, and a welcome back to Robbie W. Today's guest is Michael Alexis. Michael is the CEO of teambuilding.com, an industry leader in virtual, hybrid, and in-person team building experiences. He has been leading remote workforces for almost a decade. Michael and I talk about all things team building, why it's important, how to incorporate it into your regular workday, how to do amazing events virtually and in person, and so much more. Now here's the conversation. Are you a manager, boss, or team leader who aspires to level up and unleash your team's full potential? You're listening to the Modern Manager Podcast, and I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Each week, I explore effective strategies and provide actionable insights that supercharge your management abilities, optimize team performance, and foster a healthy workplace culture. Become a rockstar manager and help your team thrive at themodernmanager.com slash more. Thank you so much for joining me today, Michael. We're going to talk about some fun stuff, team building. I feel like so often we're talking about the hard parts of being a manager. And today we're going to talk about the, at least to me, the fun parts, which is doing team building and team building activities. So welcome on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So why don't we start, because I think I just made a pretty big assumption that everyone is going to agree with me that team building is fun. And I actually have a client who was like, I have to do team building, really? So maybe you could start by just sharing with us in your experience kind of why team building why are is taking time out of your day out of your year to do these kinds of fun quote fun activities with your team why is that an important part of how work happens today yeah and maybe actually step back a little bit because you said like oh not everybody might assume that it's fun even though you and i know that it is uh, arguably the best part uh, of any work day I think the roots of team building gave it some trouble, right? If you go back 20, 30, even a little bit longer years ago with people doing trust falls and rope climbing and stuff that at the time, hey, maybe it actually was fun. But when we look back and think it's like, it's actually kind of cringe, right? It's like, I don't want to fall into you know, my colleagues' arms. They may or may not drop me very, very, very bad. But uh, team building has changed a lot over time. And now, especially the way we think of it is we call it stealth team building where you're actually just doing really fun experiences that you could do with your best friends or your family or somebody else. And so it just happens to be with your team. But I think that's making a really, really big difference for starting to change people's perceptions of uh, of the industry and the work that we do. As far as the importance of it, I mean, it's really um, across the board. I think that the most comprehensively, if you're thinking about uh, a business and its employees, I think we fundamentally know, right? Like happier employees are going to be more productive employees. They're going to stick around longer. And so there's countless metrics that you can attach to those. And there's also countless ways that you can support an employee's happiness or even a contractor's happiness. Anybody that you're working with closely is um, happiness. You have salary uh, as a very big one. You have a whole range of benefits that you can offer, PTO, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And team building is, if you thought of that as a table, I think one of the very important likes too, because now you're having people who are not just happy at work, but also more connected and more used to communicating and practicing 
problem solving together in ways that they might not otherwise get to do uh, at the office every day. I remember there were a couple of very testimonies, right? So when people do our events, they will leave reviews after the event. And there's a couple that really stand out to me that I think are relevant here. There was one lady who, uh, it was a, it was almost the very beginning of the pandemic, and she came to one of our virtual events with our team, uh, I think online office games. So icebreaker questions, trivia, communication games. And then after she said uh, in her comment, like, you know what, like for 90 minutes, I just forgot everything else that was going on in the world right now, which is like, one of the most stressful times of all of our lives, right? Like the early days of the pandemic were chaos. So being able to give some kind of stability and normalcy to, well, at least that one person, but probably a few more is highly, highly impactful. Uh, another one, one of my favorites, uh, it was uh, it was a guy, his name John or Robert or something. He wrote in his comment uh, after doing the event, you know, I've sat next to Steve for three years and this is the most we've ever talked. So again, just like opportunities for relationships that uh, exceed what was otherwise happening at the office. So a whole bunch more that we can go into, but I think just fundamentally important for employee happiness, connection, collaboration. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. And I'm curious if you feel like there's like two different buckets of team building. There's the kind of team building events that are like, and I don't even know if you would count this as one. They're like, pizza at the end of the day thing that's like does or the like we're gonna make guacamole and it's gonna be kind of really designed around fun and then there's the team building that's like we're gonna build the marshmallow tower together right we're gonna do a ropes course and to me there's those are kind of two different buckets in the sense that the first one is really around socialization right creating time for people to connect as humans and get to talk to the person next to you that you never talk to, right? And the the latter bucket is really designed around the skills of collaboration and putting people into a safe context for doing their the work of collaborating, right? Learning how to communicate, learning how to plan together, learning how to work through and problem solve. Do you see it similarly in your work? Or are there other buckets that are important as we're thinking about the different types of team building that we might want to do with our folks? Yeah, I think there's probably even more buckets that we could count or come up with because in a way, like anytime you have people interacting, you could frame some part of it as team building, right? Like doing work together could also be team building. Hopefully they're having a good time doing it. I think the two that you highlighted are probably two of the larger buckets that we would have in our um in our our at our floor buckets. But there's also smaller ones that I think are really important too. So for example, yeah, everybody's getting on, on a Zoom call or Microsoft Teams call or whatever to do the virtual meetings. Well, what if you just spend five minutes at the beginning of the meeting doing an icebreaker question? But it's not quite like a pizza socialization event and it's not building the marshmallow tower, but it's still intentional time spent on uh, connection and bringing our personal selves to the workplace. Um, another uh, subset, another actually very important bucket would be the team building events that are not necessarily uh, framed as fun, although they could be fun in their execution. So some kind of workshop, like a communication workshop, right? You're so you're doing something together, you're learning together. Uh, and there's an aspect of that too. There's also something that I think we can all uh, probably find a point to relate to from our lives where when you go through something difficult with people, you feel a lot closer connected. I believe there's something what I read, it was something about like trauma bonding in rabbits. And I'm not 
comparing employees or people to rabbits at all. But the idea is that if you have two rabbits that aren't getting along and you stick them in a safe box and put it in the back of your trunk and then you drive along and the rabbits are getting jostled around, that's very traumatic for a rabbit. That'd be very traumatic for anybody, but they come out of it more connected rabbits. I feel a bit, I feel like I shouldn't tell that story because it seems like a little bit abusive rabbits. I don't actually do this. Maybe a scientist did it once and they learned and hopefully we'll never repeat it. But there's an element of team building too where, yeah, we work through stress and come out of it stronger. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the one I want to go back to for a second is the idea that team building doesn't have to be a major event that's carved out of your day for four hours of an offsite. What you were just saying about using the beginning of your meeting to do an icebreaker question, to me at least, is kind of a different way of thinking about team building. We think about team building, I think, often as it's a designated amount of time that we are going to do this activity and we have a facilitator and it costs money, it's out of the office or it's a, a big training. And it's very different to think about team building as sprinkled throughout our workday or throughout the work week or the month as something that can be these small little touches that help us connect and collaborate and relate and, and all that. So I'm wondering if you have more examples of yeah, yeah, things for you sure. sprinkle I, through the week. Yeah, 100%. And uh, a framework that we applied for it is called the 8% rule. So that 8%, just because if you're getting on a call for an hour, 8% of that time is about five minutes, right? And you could scale it up and down. If you're only on for 30 minutes, well, five minutes spent on icebreakers might be too long. So then it's two and a half minutes or whatever it is, a longer, uh, something like this. So within those small um, moments of joy at the beginning of meetings, icebreakers are good. Um, trivia can be good, even just a couple of kind of questions. One of the tricks with trivia to make them effective is not like who hit the most home runs in 1978, not a sports guy, don't know. But something where the takeaway is something like interesting that people are going to remember and want to tell their family about or their spouse about or whoever. So everyone is guessing uh, Price is Right style rules, how many hearts an octopus has. Like, oh, wow, it's more than one. That's something interesting, right? Something that they can take away. We play some guessing games with our team um, around numbers and events. So we'll just drop a thread uh, in Slack and say like, hey, we know that this kind of thing is coming up. What do you think the outcome is going to be? I don't know if I have a concrete example of that. Oh, one of my favorites is that we have something uh, on so we Slack for all of our internal communications so we can uh, we can chat and we can share pictures and we can do whatever we have to. Uh, and we have one channel on there called You Are Awesome. Uh, we've had that, I think, for about seven or eight years. And the idea is that anybody can go on there and praise anybody else. So you have a sales team member who will go on and post like, hey, this member of the customer service helped save my deal. This was a huge thing for this client. Um, let's go. Or maybe a manager comes on and is saying like, oh, wow, we got this really great feedback about an event host, like above and beyond the normal five stars. Like this is something extraordinary that happened, um, which is kind of speckled throughout the week too, and feels very, very good for everybody. Uh, involved. Yeah, that's beautiful. And such an easy thing to do is to add a, a Slack channel or a team stream or whatever it is that you're using and encourage people and, and role model, I assume, right? Like help foster people to actually do that. I, I love that. And something that virtual teams can do too, which is 
kind of my next section. Uh, the things that we do kind of during the week sound like very easy to do, regardless of whether you're co-located or not, right? Easy enough to start a meeting, spending five minutes on an icebreaker, easy enough to add a Slack channel, you know, easy enough to, to you know, kind of sprinkle things in like that. But very different when you're talking about, we're going to make guacamole or we're going to have a, a training or we're going to go to an offsite where if your team's all over the country or all over the world, so much harder to do that kind of bonding. I'm curious what you what you've seen and kind of what's worked really well when trying to do team building activities that are happening virtually or kind of with a dislocated team. Can you talk about that? I think that framing of it can be more difficult is correct. Uh, there's also arguments that it's actually a lot easier, uh, especially during the pandemic when everybody is working home. And the reason for that is that, you know, imagine you work at uh, an office in New York City and you want to take everybody to the museum to do a photo scavenger hunt with us or to Central Park or off to uh, even dinner or something. Well, now you're introducing the challenges of logistics, right? Moving around 30, 40, 50, 100 people, it is, especially at a city like New York, uh, is challenging and possibly expensive. You also have, you know, imagine you've planned it for two and a half or three hours. Well, if anybody has even like one 30-minute call or meeting scheduled during that time, they might not be able to make it. They might skip the whole thing, et cetera. So challenges with attendance um, and getting people there versus virtual, there's almost no excuses, right? It's like, press the button, come online. Do you have another call? Okay, you could hop off for a second, take care of it, and then you come back. So uh, attendance can be very, very, very good. That being said, virtual remote is not uh, without its challenges. One of the biggest ones, uh, especially when people try to do their own kind of internal DIY uh, remote team building, is that they try to closely emulate the experiences that they would do in person and hope it's going to work online too. So for example, if at your office, you, you could just have a cocktail hour, right? Like you provide drinks, you provide snacks, everybody chats, they have a good time, that's fine. If you try to do that exact same thing online, okay, drink snacks and just say, hey, we're on a chat, everybody talk. A few of the extroverts are going to have a great time, but the more people you have on there, the more people you have that aren't going to interact with anybody at all. And so there's ways so you can overcome that. One is uh, structured fun, right? Give people guidelines um, to play with. You can use breakout rooms to divide a group of, say, 50 people into 10 groups of five, and then everyone gets a chance to interact. Uh, and then also... Uh, we do something we call scaffolding, which is starting the event um, with, um, I don't know, you could call it easier or low risk um, ways to participate for people that might not be as comfortable. And that might be uh, an icebreaker, for example, before you start going into the like, oh, you need to add a, sing a song in front of the group to earn extra points to win this Knowledge. Not everybody is going to be comfortable with that even after the icebreaker, but that can help get people there. And I think that element is even more important virtually than it is in person because it's so easy virtually to just like to not participate, right? To turn off your camera, to turn off your mic, and to be looking at pictures of cats on the internet. Completely. And I think the idea of structure is just like with virtual meetings, it's, it's so important to have that structure there and to have thought through how is the flow of this because we don't get the organic sparks that fly. We don't get the ease of being in person when you're when you're all virtual. And I sat in one of those cocktail hours <laughs> during the pandemic where two people chatted and eight of us watched the entire time. And that was not very fun. So I totally, totally agree. And and getting to use different technology tools now, it's so much easier 
to create interactive experiences. I'm curious what um, some of your favorite unusual team building activities are. We've talked about a couple that I think are the more common, right? Cooking together, going on doing some sort of maybe physical thing. But what are some of the other more interesting or unusual ones that you have found to be particularly fabulous for teams? Hey there, Mamie here. Just a quick and exciting update for all of you who are enjoying the Modern Manager podcast. The Modern Manager membership community is getting a minor makeover, and it is now called the Podcast Plus Membership. And you can sign up for it and join a community of managers determined to do better every day. You'll get full access to our Slack channel, sketch notes with key takeaways from each episode, all types of guest bonuses, and the members-only podcast, which is ad-free and has extended interviews. So you get to hear the answers to my juiciest questions without interruptions like this one. Sign up today for $15 per month at themodernmanager.com slash more. Can't wait to see you there. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of examples of ones that we do and then also ones that we've um, tried from third parties. So one of our first virtual events actually was called uh, Tiny Campfire. Uh, and it's really special because in advance of the event, we send people s'mores kits. So they receive in the mail uh, graham crackers, marshmallows, a little candle uh, so that they can roast the marshmallows that they're best. Uh, and then we bring everybody on a Zoom game and we play kind of camp style games, very nostalgic. One of the first groups that we had do that, again, beginning of the pandemic when this uh, all the virtual stuff started, was uh, the Department of Homeland Security in the US. And I thought that was kind of special thinking about that group doing this tidy campfire as a way to be connected and bond. For another one, we actually have one that I think is super cool. It's a little bit newer. I think we launched about a year ago. It's called Alice Escapes Wonderland. And one of our so our creative team built an event in uh, 3D virtual world. So if, if you have used one of the like Oculus headsets or something, you can go in, you can walk around, you can solve puzzles and things. In this case, we made it so that it also just works at the desktop. So it's more accessible for people to navigate. But open levels, which people can explore together and solve puzzles. And uh, it's great and it's a lot of fun. Outside of our events, I think one of the most fun ones we did was we were in uh, Nashville for our own internal company retreat. And we went to a paint studio. And whenever I've been to somewhere like this before, it actually means a lot more towards structure where it's like, okay, we're all painting this picture of trees and a river and these are the six colors you get and maybe you have a glass of wine and that's fun and you take it home at the end uh all good this one was just like hey we've got a canvas here for everybody and here's a bunch of paint paint whatever you want you can paint the canvas you can paint the walls if you can get paid up on the ceiling go for it uh and we were covered in these like plastic ponchos uh and it was just it was a lot of fun it was a cool kind of quirky thing to do and i'm always impressed not just with our team but uh, so many teams that we work with as well, when you give opportunities to people to show their creativity, they really shine. I think that, I hope it's not just me, I think a lot of us might have this bias of the, like, the stereotypical worker as being somebody without personality or without almost being a real person, right? It's like office, work, administrative data, typing something. But no, these are all like extraordinarily people with extraordinary talents that uh, really, really, really come out when they have the opportunity to do it. Yes, 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 yes. And when we create structure for that, like that's a beautiful place that kind of frees people up who maybe are less comfortable with being a little more 
open and creative. So I, I love that. We did as a family, actually, my my whole family went and we learned how to do graffiti and we graffitied a wall together. And it was like such a fabulous family bonding moment where we were all working on one big design that was meaningful to all of us and getting to work on different parts. And yeah, I mean, I, it was great to get to see like my aunt be like in this creative space where I never get to see her. So I can imagine doing that kind of stuff as a team would be really fun and, and opening. I wonder about things that are that we should be thinking about when trying to plan an appropriate team building event. And, and I ask this in the sense of like, there are people like, you know, should alcohol be included or not, right? That's kind of always a, a question that managers should be thinking about. But also with my team a number of years ago, we went and did trapeze together because I super love trapeze myself. And so I, I made everybody come in and do trapeze. Then afterwards, I was like, you know, I didn't really think about the fact that like, does anybody have any injuries that would keep them from participating in what is a little bit of an extreme sport. And it didn't even occur to me at the time to like ask people. I was just like, you hear me talk about trapeze all the time. We're going to go do trapeze, guys. It's going to be great. And almost everyone participated. One person opted out for for physical injury reasons. And after that, I was like, oh my gosh, clearly I was not being very thoughtful about planning this event and what are the factors I should be considering before I make a decision about this is what we're doing. So what are the things that you recommend managers think about in terms of accessibility or appropriateness of activity? And how should we go about kind of making sure that whatever it is that we decide is something that's actually going to be really fun and good for the team and not something where people feel left out or overlooked or um, kind of unseen? Yeah, I think the physical fitness one or um, physical ability, whatever you might call for the trapeze, is a really interesting example, especially because that's like, that's a pretty higher level of fitness that somebody might need to have in order to participate that. We have one where we are thinking about that quite a bit recently. Last summer, um, we released an event called Field Day, Company Field Day, where um, usually large groups, 100, maybe 200 people, go in the field and play games. And the default choice, the original thinking was, oh, like these should be outdoor, like sports type games. Not necessarily the like the three-legged race or um, uh, the egg toss or anything like that this, but more modern and fun versions. But then we yeah, started to realize that that really wouldn't be inclusive of a lot of people, especially if we need to make a product that's, I don't know anything about the group that you went with, but age is a factor there too, right? And if um, just because uh, an event would be more, could work for one company, doesn't necessarily work for another, can be regional too. Um, it's very, very, very challenging. So something to think about for sure. I think another really important one to think about is your group size, that if you have too many or too few people, it can really change the nature of an experience. I think if you have 100 people show up at a bowling alley and you only have two alleys, that's probably not going to be a very good time. Likewise, if you only have three people show up for, say, like a competitive trivia night, well, what are the teams? Is it just three groups of one and it doesn't work? The events that we ended up recreating, some of them are a little bit more physical. Others are more like cerebral or problem solving or puzzles or um, just a more dynamic range of ways that people can participate. And so finding the events that let people shine, no matter who they are, uh, it was really, really, really uh, important. Another aspect to think about if you do know your group well is the kind of like the introvert extrovert thing um, where 
yeah, you want to provide one where people are comfortable to participate. Maybe, you know, taking one group out for, for dancing and karaoke might be a great time, but other group, that's like their worst nightmare and you'd want to stay away from that. Do you think we should be polling our team and asking them, like, which of these sound fun? Or should we be having conversations with people and trying to get the temperature of what they would like? Should we be approaching these kind of bigger team building activities kind of in a in a more inclusive way as opposed to, you know, what I did, which was like, I love this thing and I want to share it with all of you. So we're all going to do it. If in doubt, polling your team is probably a good idea. We have some clients that um, approach it in that way, right? They'll kind of do the initial uh, research of not just events that we have, but maybe other providers have too, and then they'll present it to their team um, and then book with us. So yeah, certainly certainly part of it there. There's also some who are uh, really great on the follow-up too, where after the event, then they'll pull their team and say like, hey, we all did this guacamole making competition together. And like, how would you rate this? Do you feel more connected with the team? Would you do this again? Like, would you recommend to somebody else for their own kind of data on what their team likes and enjoys and what they might want to do again. I think there is, in some cases, though, an element to surprise that could be nice and cool. Um, I remember a friend once took me, we were in San Francisco, uh, and she said, okay, you have to wake up at like, I don't know, 4.30 a.m. Something ridiculous, right? Where I wouldn't have been up at 4.30 a.m. otherwise. Uh, and then uh, we go to the front of the hotel uh, and we just get in the back of this van and I still haven't been told where we're going just that this van starts driving um, out into the outskirts of San Francisco. And then we arrived just at the break of dawn uh, at a spot where we're going to do hot air ballooning. And for me, it was even more special that it was a surprise, right? That it was like, oh, wow, now we're here to do this cool thing. So I think if you can create that element for your team and you have like reasonable confidence that they're going to enjoy it, then go for it. That is very cool. I love that. And I feel like we can get a little bit of that surprise factor too in a, in a safer way with the box, like you mentioned earlier, of sending the, the little campfire kit. That's a, such a great way to create a little bit of that surprise element. So even if people know we're kind of doing this virtual thing, there can be a, a nice surprise moment when they're opening that package, they've gotten it and they've opened it. Or even out in public, right? Whatever activity you're doing, if there's a little surprise moment within it, I think that that can be really nice too. All right. Before we wrap up here, because we're running out of time, last question. Do you ever suggest or find that it's helpful for managers or more senior folks to at some point leave the event, especially the more social ones, so that people can act more freely and kind of bond without the the presence of the boss. And I, I asked this one also because with my team a number of years ago, we were out, we were at a, a shooting pool. And at one point I was like, you know what? I feel like I shouldn't be here. I feel like everyone's being like so tame and so like, ah, because I'm here and I feel like I should leave and give people time to connect without worrying that they're going to say something I went over here or whatever. And so I excused myself and then I followed up with my team afterwards and said, like, did it work? <laughs> like, that was the whole point. I left early it was not because I didn't like you guys, because I wanted you guys to have time. And they were they were very kind and gentle. And they were like, no, no, we love when you're with us. And I was like, sure. OK, whatever. <laughs> but I, I'm curious if, if, you know, why, what do you think? What's your take on all that? Let's take what they said is true, right? Like they do love when you're with them, but they're also going to love when you're not with them. At least when we... um 
both virtually and when we meet up for in-person uh, the company retreats, et cetera, we try to strike a balance where we're not at everything. Uh, so virtually, for example, if, if we're doing an internal demo of one of our events, I want to be there, right? I want to see how the experience goes. And so that is a case where I would definitely show up. We do uh, monthly, uh, just like a team lunch where everybody gets together. And I generally skip those because I think it's a good time for everyone to just bond and, and hang out without, um, without me or without uh, all of the members of the leadership team anyways. Same when we do uh, the company retreats. So we have meetings together all day. So you could call it like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. or 3 p.m. or whenever we finish for that day. And then we will... If it's three and a half day retreat, um, we'll plan a very intentional team building event together, like we did with the paint one that I mentioned. We'll also probably do some of our own events, but then we also plan uh, optional to attend events where the team can go and enjoy it, or they can go out for dinner without us. We like we don't need to be there all the time. I think it's very important that they get bonding time too. Awesome. Good. I'm glad I made a, you're very validating of my choice that I made that I should ditch out a little early. (laughs) All right. Well, we are running out of time. So Michael, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fabulous boss? The one that comes to mind first, uh, his name is Jack McDonald, and he was the CEO of Compass Group Canada. I remember he came to my university as a uh, keynote speaker or Uh, It was like CEO in residence. I forget exactly what they called it, but he went around to the different classrooms giving speeches and I was super enthralled uh, by all of it and connected with him. Um, He hired me on to work with the company for the summer and kind of special projects and things. But there's something even now where I think back to him and that the level of personal connection that he built with me while running a billion dollar company, right? I feel like I think they had just passed a billion in revenue or something. And Compass Group, at least globally, is one of the largest employers in the world. I don't know how many employees they had in Canada at the time, but I assume at least like tens of thousands. And yet he was still able to find the time to to connect, to respond to emails, to set up a meeting with me to see how I was doing. That was really, yeah, really special, really a highlight. So maybe the takeaway from that is that we can make a big difference to individual people by spending a little bit of individual time with them. Yeah, I love that. Amazing. And where can people learn more about you and your company and keep up with your work? Yeah, teambuilding.com is the name of the business. Also, where to find us. Uh, If you did want to know more about me personally, michaelalexis.com. I have an older blog, but there's some good stuff on there. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for coming on and chatting about all this fun, fun stuff of team building. Really a pleasure to learn from you today. Yes, my pleasure. Thanks so much. In the extended episode, Michael shares what to do when something is going sideways during a team building activity, how we should deal with a colleague who isn't participating, or what to do if someone has drunk a little too much. And this week, Michael's providing a free download, how to run a great virtual icebreaker, the ultimate cheat sheet, to members of Podcast Plus and the Skills Accelerator. This PDF contains tips for running great icebreakers, an extensive but not exhaustive list of icebreaker questions, and links to other resources, including blog articles and example icebreaker games. The Skills Accelerator is off to a great start, and next month in February, we are focusing on decision-making. We'll explore strategies and approaches for individual and team decision-making during our live workshop. Plus, you can attend office hours, an accountability call, and get a ton of additional resources to help you and your team develop better decision-making skills. Become a member of the Skills Accelerator at themodernmanager.com slash skills accelerator.
To get the guest bonus and extended episodes each week, become a member of Podcast Plus at themodernmanager.com slash more. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Oh,